Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So, if you were honest, you got to be honest. If you're honest, how many of you, maybe not to that extreme, how many of you have a similar experience in the ocean? Yeah, we all, we all have, we all, oh, I've got my, let's make sure my thing, thing works here. We all, at some point, have been like this lady right here. Um, and uh, so, so, so what happened? She couldn't stand up because the waves just kept coming. Have you ever felt like that, like, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, like you get hit by something? And then as soon as you start recovering spiritually, and you're almost totally standing up, bam, and you get more sand in your bathing suit. And then you even have somebody come and help you, and they try to help you up spiritually and get you where you need to be, and you feel like you're just dragging your friend down, and then your friend has sand in places that he shouldn't have sand in. Does this kind of seem to illustrate your spiritual life? Um, There is a truth behind what you have been experiencing in your life. We're going to read about it in Ephesians 6, but what a lot of people call it is this term. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Spiritual warfare. Did you know that not everything that is happening is things that you can see? Uh, We're in this series called In Christ. How many of you were here at the beginning? You were here for the first week. You know, it's just been awesome. This is the longest series we've ever done. We started in Ephesians 1.1. Tonight we're going to end in Ephesians 6.24. We're going to finish our series. And uh, it's been an incredible journey. It's been awesome to watch you. Some of you have like arrived like halfway through the series, like towards the end of the series. And you know, I was talking to one of you um, that, that was like got here a little bit later in the series and is trying to catch up, to, to, to read ahead and catch up to where we are. And it's just been incredible watching people be drawn into how incredible God's word is. So we're finishing it tonight, and by the way, next week, uh, you please come back and please um, be ready and read ahead. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, the second half of Matthew chapter 4. God has really been working on my heart for a long time about that passage, and I believe it has a lot to do with um, some things that he's called us to do as a student ministry. Um, so some of you, I know you like to read ahead, you like to know what the passage is going to be. Next week, it's going to be the second half of Matthew 4. But if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10 here in a minute. Um, But tonight we're going to talk about how to stand. We're going to talk about how to be strong. Um, Some of you, it's very easy to figure out what to do to be strong physically. You drink a lot of whey protein, mix in a little bit of creatine, hit the weights, find some other things that maybe help, and you get big. Bulking season, right? How many of y'all, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's not cuffing season, it's bulking season, right? It's bulking season. Well, tonight it's also going to be spiritually bulking season. Tonight the term, or the, the, the title for our last section in Ephesians is Be Strong. You know, we've been in Ephesians for a long time. Remember the first three, the first three chapters tell you who you are in Christ? Chapters 3 through 5 and a little bit into chapter 6 where we ended last week. It tells you how to live in Christ in Huntington and in Christ in your home. How to be a Christian and deal with the people in the world around you. The final section of Ephesians tells you how to be in Christ. How to be a Christian and deal with the unseen world 
around you. It's almost poetic that we're doing this message and we're in this passage the night after Halloween. And tonight, if we were going to kind of boil it all down, this whole passage into one short sentence, it would be this. In Christ, God gives us strength to stand. So, there's only 10 verses that we're going to really be focusing in on. We're going to read the rest of the chapter. But if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We have not done this for a while. Um, we do it from time to time at Refuel just to remember that these aren't just words on a page. Right? Who wrote this book? Who wrote Ephesians? Paul and... The Holy Spirit, right? God inspired these words. Who was it written to? The church at Ephesus. Church at Ephesus. Uh, what, what do we know about Ephesus? Say it again. I heard a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Bad place. Idols. Diana. Di <laughs> that was the name of the idol, not the princess. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so, so, so they were in a very difficult situation and God moved the, moved the pen of the Apostle Paul and eyewitnesses Jesus to write these words. These are God's words. So what I want to ask you to do tonight is to, as we read these 10 verses, to stand. We do this sometimes to, to show respect for God's words. So we, yeah, everybody just stand. If you have your Bible, open your Bible and read through it. If not, the words are on the screen here. But I'm going to read it out loud. I just want you to read it quietly as we read these 10 verses together. Finally, this is his last big thing here. This is his last instruction. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Here's where the unseen comes in. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Stand therefore having the fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shoe, as shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the, here's the unseen again, the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that my words, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Before we sit down, let's pray together. Oh God, these are some strong words um, that tell us to be strong. Uh, so God, I pray that tonight as we work through this passage, as we hear what you have to say to us through your word, that it will strengthen us. And that even though we're surrounded by oftentimes a culture that pushes us down spiritually and there are forces working against us that we can't see to push us down spiritually, Lord, that you will give us strength so that we can stand in your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. So, in Christ, God gives us the strength to stand. If you look at this passage here, there's really one major, one major instruction. There's one major command that we're supposed to do in light of all that we've read. There's some other commands, but they all kind of hinge off this one. And this is it. This is the big daddy. Be strong 
in the Lord. Look to the person next to you say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord. How can we be strong in the Lord? Well, if we're going to be strong, there are three things that we need to do as Christians that we see in this passage. So if you're a note taker, you like to keep track of where we are, there's just going to be three things. They all end with the word up. Makes me think of the old grandpa with the balloons and everything. Three things that we need to up our game in. And we'll start with the first one. The first thing we need to do, verse 10, we need to power up. We need to power up. This guy's taking a little bit more than whey protein and creatine. I'll just say it right then. Um, so he's taking a little bit more. But look, look, at, look at the passage here. And this is really cool. If, if you're a note taker, you like to take notes. I would circle, be strong in the Lord. Then circle this word. And in the, what? The strength of his might. You see these three words here? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. You think he's getting at something here? You think, what, what is he trying to say? That we're supposed to be strong in the Lord. If, if, you're a, if you like to write in your Bible, what you may want to write right next to this is you may want to write this reference. 119. Remember, you probably don't remember everything we talked about, but if you turn back to Ephesians 1, 1, we went over Paul's first prayer, and do you remember one of the parts of this prayer that he prayed that we would understand who we are in Christ? Part of that prayer was that we would understand, the in verse 19 of chapter 1, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those of us who believe according to the working of his great might. The first prayer that we talked about, it was a prayer that I hope you understand how big and strong and powerful God is. What is interesting is that the same, and there were three different Greek words that described God's power and his might and his strength. The same three Greek words ah, that were in 119 are right here. So do you see what he's going, he started in chapter 1 saying, I hope you understand how strong God is. And at the end of this, uh, this, this, this letter, this book, he says, not only do I hope you understand how strong God is, I want you to be strengthened in the way that God is strong so that you can stand up to the forces of evil that are trying to push you down spiritually. Does, does that make sense? In chapter 1, I always, I always write it better than I say it. In chapter 1, this is what I wrote. In chapter 1, Paul prays that his readers will understand God's power. In 6 verse 10, he instructs his readers to experience God's power. Maybe that makes uh, you know, better sense. But do you notice the little key here? Find a new color. Be strong in the Lord. There's only one way to be spiritually strong. You can't, be, you, you can't go to the gym and get spiritually strong. You, you, you can't scroll through TikTok videos and get spiritually strong. You can't drink enough caffeine to be spiritually strong. Even though it makes you feel like a million bucks. Like shotgun two monsters and you'll think you can take over the world. I wouldn't recommend that. Don't take medical advice from me. There's only one way to be strong and it's in the Lord. So if you were to kind of classify this, this would be the, ah, this would be the What? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be strong in the Lord. We may say, Matt, why do I need to be strong in the Lord? I know a lot of Christians, or at least people who say they're Christians, that are not living strong in the Lord. To be, yeah, to be honest, they don't really even show much fruit at all that they're in the Lord. Why do I need to be strong 
in the Lord. Well, that's where the next up comes from. Not only do we need to power up, we need to stand up. I, li- I like this picture because it's so much different than that lady that was like getting, you know, getting pushed over by the wave. wave You've got this guy who's just like, I dare this wave to knock me over. And he's standing as the waves are like crashing around him. We need to stand up. The only word that is repeated more than the word be strong or all the different variations of, of words having to do with being strong is the word stand. In verse 11, we see that. Let me change my color. It says, put on the whole armor of God, and we'll get back to that. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That answers the why. Why do I need to be strong? Because you need to be able to stand against what? Against that punk in your AP chem class? Against that idiot that keeps vaping in the bathrooms at school? No. That's little stuff. You have a bigger adversary than that. You have a bigger adversary than the guy that you stare across the soccer field or the football field at. There's a bigger adversary than Joe Biden or Donald Trump or, um, you know, whoever the politician you don't like is. There's a much bigger adversary. And here it is. It's a devil who is scheming. But look at this word here, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Then in verse 14 it says, stand therefore. And then it tells you to put on the armor of God. We are supposed to be able to stand, but it's almost one of those, has somebody ever told you something that you feel like is impossible to do? I remember I was sitting in my, um, my calc class in high school and I was thinking, why did I sign up for this? Like, I do not under, I don't even understand what's going on here. Like, like <laughs> I never felt so, like, I, I never felt so, like, intimidated, and I never felt so doomed in all my life. When I read this, without reading the rest of the verses, it makes me feel the same way. Because what it's saying is that every day, when you wake up, you don't, real, most of us don't realize it. We're standing toe-to-toe with Satan himself. I'll take AP Calc. Right? How in the world are we going to be able to stand when we're going toe to toe with Satan and what we learn later is his demons. It says, and here's the one thing that Christians Christians we really need to remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There are people obviously that Satan uses to do things in this world that go against God's will, or that go against God's word, I should say. But it's important to remember that every person in the world, they're not our enemies, they're our mission field. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but who do we wrestle against? Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, and the way that the Greek is is, is put together, it's all pointing to this, that they're the rulers of this present darkness, and the authorities of this present darkness, and the world powers of this present darkness. Spiritual forces of evil, where are they? In the heavenly places. He's not talking about the Democratic Party here, the Republican Party. He's not talking even about um, Hamas. He's talking about the unseen realm. He's talking about Satan 
and those fallen angels who are serving his terrible wishes. So some of you, you're like, hey, Matt, I haven't been to church for a little while. Like, I thought Satan was just like the little guy that sat on the one side of people's shoulders in the cartoons, and you know, then there's this little angel with a halo on the other side, and the Satan was like the one that had the little pitchfork. He's like, hey, do it, you know? Like, like I thought that was Satan. Let's take a minute and just remind ourselves about our enemy, because I'm, I'm convinced... There are some people that get way too into this. I'll just be honest. There are some people that focus way too much on this and they, they get sidetracked. But I think most of us, if we were honest, we know more about the depth chart of the college football team our favorite college football team is playing against than we do the enemy. We know more about fantasy football stats than we know about the enemy we go toe-to-toe with every day. You know more... I'm going to hit some of y'all where it hurts. I don't know if I should do it. You've already memorized all the new songs from The Vault that came out in this new album that came out. And you know more about that than you do about the enemy that you can't go toe-to-toe with. Have I made everybody mad? I I I hate the Jason Kelsey people and I hit the Taylor Swift people. All right. Let's, Let's look a little bit about who is Satan? Who is this person that we have to stand against. Satan is an an angelic being who rebelled against God and was kicked out of heaven and took a host of angelic beings with him. You could, if you're a, if you're a note taker, you know, maybe you'll, you'll want to go to the scripture here and, uh, and uh, you'll want to maybe write some, some scripture references down. You may want to write down um, Isaiah chapter 14 and you may want to write down Ezekiel chapter 28. They describe what happened when Satan fell, when he was kicked out of heaven. And God sent, God, God kicked Satan out of heaven. Satan is now, it says that he is, look, what is it? say it says he's in he's um part of the cosmic powers over this present darkness um second corinthians describes him as as someone who blinds the minds of people who don't believe in god he's also been described in in uh, john excuse me first uh, john one or five nineteen. i'm getting all tongue-tied you ever get tongue-tied he's described in first john five nineteen as someone under whom the whole world is under his sway is under his influence revelation chapter 20 speaks about a time when jesus comes back when satan will be bound we're going to put him in a cage isn't that going to be a time to be alive but satan isn't bound right now is he That's why we see things like Hamas and all this terrible stuff that's happening in Israel. We see things that are going on in our own country, mass shootings and things that we just can't even understand. It's because there is still an evil one that is influencing people and there's still sin in the hearts of people. It says here that there are cosmic powers in this present darkness but it's, we can be thankful that it's not a forever darkness that Jesus is coming back. So what does Satan do? Who is your daddy and what does he do? You're too young to remember kindergarten cop. Maybe some of the leader, any leaders back here remember Arnold Schwarzenegger, kindergarten cop? Look at, I don't know if it's a good movie. Don't look it up. Adam says it's a good movie. Look it up. Anyway, what is Satan? Who is Satan? We talk about who he is. What does he do? I just, this is not an exhaustive list, but I wrote down a few things that we know through scripture, ways that Satan is at work in our lives right now and in this world right now. The first is he baits us to doubt God's word. 
First time we see Satan jump on the scene, it's in Eden, perfection. What does he say to Eve? He becomes a serpent, right? And he says, did God really say not to eat of any of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil? He got Eve to question God's word, to doubt God's word and to doubt his goodness. And Eve was not prepared, was she? She couldn't even, if you go back to Genesis 3, can't get into tonight, she didn't even remember exactly what God said. She said, he said not to eat it and he said not to touch it. Well, God didn't say not to touch it. He got her to doubt God's word. And today, Satan still tries to get us to doubt God's word. Any of y'all big nerds and you've heard of something called the Jefferson Bible? Like two people, three people, that's good, okay. Thomas Jefferson, when he was, after he was president and he was at his Monticello home, he was what was called a deist. He didn't believe in any of the miracles that were in the Bible. So what he did is he took his Bible and he literally cut out all of the, the passages that talk about the miracles of the Bible so that he could have a Bible that he agreed with. And I believe, from what I've been told, that there are, you, you can still go and see that Jefferson Bible that has those, that those passages cut out. You know, what's interesting is now, a lot of people don't have any trouble believing that God could do miracles, but there are other sections of the Bible that Satan causes us to cut out in our hearts and our minds. Like, did God really say that any sexual activity outside of marriage is a sin. It can't be that bad just to, you know, especially if you, your parents didn't have a good marriage, maybe you should you shack up together, kick the tires a little bit before you buy the car. Nothing wrong with that, right? Did God really say? You see, Satan's schemes aren't just from thousands and thousands of years ago when, when there was Adam and there was Eve. This same scheme is alive and well right now. He engineers life circumstances to discourage us. You want to read a depressing book, read the book of Job. The poor guy. We see Satan engineering circumstances in Job's life to defeat him and to discourage him. You know, if Satan can't have your eternal soul, you put your faith in Christ, you know what he, you know, his next step to try to do is to discourage you. One of our guys shared in tag, it was discouraging that he's been trying to share Christ with his friends and no one seems to change. Satan wants to use that to discourage us, doesn't he? Things happen in our life that just are, are so discouraging. I, w I went to Liberty University um, at, at college and our college president, Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr., what, he had a saying that he liked to say and it went something like this, you can tell the greatness of a person not by how much money they make and not by their wealth and not by their prestige, but by what it takes to discourage them. And Satan wants to discourage you. Satan tempts us to disobey God. In Matthew chapter 4, the first section of Matthew chapter 4, the section we're not going to be talking about next week, Satan even tries to tempt Jesus to sin. Because Jesus was God, because Jesus didn't have a sin nature, he passed the test. We'll talk here in a minute how Jesus aced the test, but Satan tried to tempt even Jesus. He tempts us to disobey God. He puts thoughts in our minds. You ever have a thought to do something wrong? You're like, where the, in the world did that come from? Have you noticed that like all of a sudden, like I, I've noticed this, like on Sunday morning, like it's time to go to church. It's time to be with God's people. It's the Lord's day. And I wake up and I've never felt more tired than I have been on that day. And I'm starting to, all these excuses are starting to come to my head. And 
Where did that come from? All of a sudden, you find yourself alone at home with a laptop or a phone. And all of a sudden, these ideas start going to your head about these sites you could visit or these, these, these accounts you could pull up. Where do you think that idea came from? He tempts us to disobey God. 1 Peter chapter 5 says that he prowls, it says it like this, our enemy, our adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What do lions do? You ever watch The Lion King? What do they do? They, they find the one time that that one wildebeest is looking kind of sick and looking kind of weak and it's kind of strayed a little bit far from the pack. Boom. He pounces at just the right time. And you know, you know Satan is really good at finding us at our weakest point and pouncing on us. That's why in chapter four of Ephesians it says this, be angry and do not sin, do not give an opportunity, a foothold to the devil because when we're weak spiritually, Satan's ready to pounce. And then the final thing that we're gonna talk about is that he accuses us night and day. You actually see this picture in Job chapter one, two, but you also see it in Revelation chapter 12. It talks about the victory that the saints have um, over Satan and over death through the blood of the Lamb. But it talks about Satan, and this is what it says. It says that he accuses the saints night and day before the throne of God. Isn't that interesting to think about? But isn't that scary to think about? That, that, that when in my life I do something wrong, that there's the accuser. And he goes to the throne of God and he says, do you see what Matt did? The good news is, we'll talk about here soon, there's somebody else in the throne room of God too, sitting at the right hand of the Father, who every time Satan makes an accusation, Jesus said, I paid for that sin with my blood. I paid for that sin with my blood. I paid for that sin with my blood. That's a child, that, that, that's one of your children, Father. But have you ever heard that voice in your head that reminds you of those things that you've done? That you're past, you've moved past, that you've confessed, that you've repented of, but he reminds you Satan is a grave digger. He loves to dig things out from your past and parade them right in front of you. It's like the sins of the walking dead. That's the adversary we're up against. That's who we're called to stand against. So how do we stand against him? We need to suit up. I remember VB, there was like every VBS ever talks about the armor of God, right? And they bring out the, you know, the armor and stuff. They usually don't tell the kids about the evil powers over this present world that are in the cosmic realms. <laughs> they don't want to scare the children. They're just, here, put the armor of God on. You know, but there's a reason we need to suit up. There's a reason we need to put the armor of God on. And you know me, I like to do the application at the end. And the application tonight is to put on the armor of God. We're running out of time, so we're gonna try to kind of pick up the pace through this. If we're gonna suit up, how do we suit up? There, there, there are some things that we need to do. There are some things that we need to practice. Seven things, actually, we need to practice if we're going to suit up and if we're gonna stand against the schemes of the devil. And the first is that we need to be truthful people. We need to tell the truth. Um, a lot of our refuelers, they made this, uh, made this armor of God for the trunk or treat booth on Sunday. So I'm just going to kind of model all of their clothing that they made, their, their armor that they made. But one thing that to note is I don't have the opportunity to to put this all on at the same time, we're told to what? Let me bring up the verse. Put on the whole armor of God, right? So all of the, you can't just like, it's not, this is not golden corral. The armor of God is not golden corral. You can't just pick and choose. It's not Chipotle, okay? You can't just like say, I don't think I want the guac this time. You gotta take the guac if you wanna put the armor of God on, okay? So, but the first thing it says is we need to put on the belt of truth. 
The belt was the way that all of the other pieces of armor in the Roman, with a Roman soldier were held together. So the Our truthfulness, our holding on to God's truth and our being truthful people is what holds this armor together. We need to tell the truth. How sad is it that some Christians are not known as being truth tellers and are not known for living by the truth. If we're gonna suit up, we need to make it a regular practice of telling the truth. That includes your teachers. When you say, oh, those are my answers and they really aren't. We need to be truthful people. Then what does it say? Not only do we need to tell the truth, we need to make right decisions. I think that, oh, they even gave me abs. I only have a four pack though. The breastplate of righteousness. What in the world does that mean? It means two things. That we remember that we're covered by Jesus' righteousness, right? His righteousness was credited to our account. So when God looks at us and Satan makes that accusation, he does not see our sin. He sees positionally Jesus' righteousness. But it also means that we need to live practically a, a, a life of truth and a life of righteousness. It means we need to practice discernment. We need to make right decisions. The armor of God... It's really important on a Friday night when Satan's giving you all the wrong ideas of ways to spend your Friday night. We need to be people of righteousness. We need to make right decisions. If we're going to suit up, we also need to spread the gospel. Here's the shoes. I might be able to put these on. These are some, I mean, nice. I love it. We should, this, we need to send these to Kanye and he can make some, uh, some slides like these. It'd be awesome. I don't know if I want Kanye making Christian shoes. Um, we need to spread the gospel. You know something I never really noticed until we were, you know, we were studying through this is that the armor of God, where are the shoes? It says the shoes for your feet. We always say it's the shoes of the gospel of peace, but that's really not it. It's the shoes having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. It's the shoes of readiness. It's the shoes of being ready to share the gospel with others. It, it reminds me of in, in, in Exodus when the Passover was being, was being taken before the Israelites the next day would leave Egypt and go and, and start journeying to the promised land. How did God tell them to eat the Passover dinner? Anybody know? What's that? Okay, well, he had them eat, he had to eat them, he had to eat the Passover dinner with shoes on their feet and a coat on their back so that they would be ready as God was delivering them. When God delivered them, pew, to go. We are to put on the shoes of readiness to say, anytime a gospel opportunity opens up, I'm ready. How many of you, if your best friend that you've been praying for to receive Christ were to come up to you and say, Judah, I really want to be saved. Can you show me how? How would you respond? Are you ready? You know one of the things that will change your life spiritually is if you start sharing the gospel with people. You'll have no problem going to God's word because you're gonna be dependent on it to share the gospel. You're gonna have no problem getting motivation to pray because you're gonna realize, God, I need you to help me do this because I can't do it on my own. 
If we're gonna be strong spiritually and we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna power up and if we're gonna be strong spiritually and, and, and we're gonna stand up and then we're gonna suit up, we gotta spread the gospel, then we gotta grow our faith. It's the shield of faith and I understand there were limitations in how this shield could be constructed but the word for shield in this is actually the same word that is used for door because this shield that they were talking about was the size of a door. It had four corners and it was a massive shield and it says above all meaning over all these things and don't forget this hold on to the shield of faith there's also something interesting about this shield I wish we had more time to get into it but these shields these Roman shields were made to interlock with other shields you ever seen some of those like war movies like 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 with like Spartan soldiers and stuff and and they would pretty much create like a turtle shell they would all get together and they would all put lock their shells together so that the arrows would just bounce off that's what it's saying here it says pick up the shield of faith so that you may be able to extinguish or stand against the fiery darts of Satan we need to grow our faith I wrote down a few ways that we can, as, as Christians, I believe, that, that we can grow our faith. Um, and the first has to do, you know, well, we just don't have time. But we, we, first, we got to get in the Bible. We got to know what the Bible says. We got to know what good doctrine is. The second is we got to lock shields with other people. You got anybody sitting next to you that you're ready to lock shields with? Hold each other accountable. And it's practical. The final, you know, we, we got to keep going. If we're going to suit up. We need to remember who we are. Take up the helmet of salvation. What's the helmet protect? Your brain, your mind, right? And what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to make you forget who you are in Christ. Remember the whole point of Ephesians we were talking about at the beginning, the first message? The greatest thing you can learn in the school year, and remember the school year, is who you are in Christ. And that helmet of salvation helps protect you when the enemy attacks and when the enemy accuses and when the enemy tries to get you to do something that's against God's will, it reminds you, I am not the old person. I'm a new creation. I have a sin nature, but I don't have to be a slave to my sin nature anymore. We have to remember who we are. And we have to know our Bible. Take the sword of the Spirit. But there's just something about holding a sword. Oh, here's the helmet of salvation, by the way. I'm not sure my head can fit into it, but here's the helmet. We have to take the sword of the Spirit. Something about holding a sword. It just feels good. We need to get in the Bible. We need to know our Bible. How many of y'all know the depth chart of your uh, favorite college football team better than you know your Bible? How do you learn the, how do you study the Bible? I'll sketch this out and then we got to go. There's a method I like to use called the sword method. If you don't know how to read your Bible, if you read and it doesn't make sense to you, it's called the sword method. And I'll leave this up for you. Six questions you can ask when you read a passage. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about me? Is there an example to follow? Am I reading about someone who um, did the right thing? Is there a command to obey? Does God tell me to do something here? Write down what God tells you to do. Is there a sin to avoid? Is there something that God says, don't do this? Well, write it down and make sure not to do it. Is there a promise to claim? If you would open your Bible every day and ask these six sword questions, I believe your life would be transformed in a matter of a week. Take, I'll, I'll bring, the, I'll leave this back up here in a second. And the final thing is, we need to pray, pray, pray. He ends by just saying, pray for me in these areas. 
He says, pray at all times. Take a posture of prayer. Uh, pray for um, people who you know. Um, pray for me. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. If we're going to be suited up and we're going to be strong, we got to spend time in prayer. That was the final one. Pray, pray, pray. Some of you know all too well just what it mean, what, how it feels to come up against the adversary, the devil. But God gives us the power we need to stand. Even in 2023, even in cancel culture, even when you feel like you're standing by yourself, God gives us the strength to stand if we put on his armor. So I'm gonna pray for us and we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much that even though we go up against probably the most fearsome enemy anyone could ever go up against, that our God is the great God of heaven and is infinitely more powerful and infinitely more strong, infinitely more knowledgeable and wise than our enemy. And thank you that that strength that we can understand from Ephesians 1 is strength that we can experience in Ephesians 6. I'm glad I pray for students tonight. Maybe there's a student here that doesn't know what it means to be saved, that doesn't know what it means to give their life to you and feels knocked down by the waves, that they'll talk to someone tonight about how they can know for sure that they're a child of God. I pray for the Christians here tonight. It can be discouraging. It feels like you're being attacked day after day after day after day. I pray that we'll lock our shields together. And Lord, that you'll give us the strength to stand as we put on the armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.